Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Good morning, everybody. I know you're not used to seeing our uh, our ugly mugs so early on a, on, a, on a weekend, but uh, thanks ever so much for those of you who have decided to tune in. It is a very special episode this morning. Um, both Gilly and myself are, have the pleasure, I suppose, this morning of being joined by a uh, by friend of the pod, Mr Graham Hyde. How are you doing, Graham? I'm good, thank you, mate. How are you? Very well, thank you for, for asking. Looking forward to uh, heading down to Watford in a short while. Yeah. Um, and... Mr. Kieran Maguire, author of The Price of Football, you may have seen uh, all over Twitter when he's doing his uh, his accountancy type duties on, on on different and varied football clubs. How are you doing, Kieran? Uh, I'm 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 sound. Thanks, Luke. I'm looking forward to seeing Brighton nil uh, a little bit later this afternoon <laughs> at uh, at the Emirates. Lovely stuff, lovely stuff. Thanks ever so much to everybody this morning for, for, for getting up and, and getting on the podcast, 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 podcast. Um, it is a little bit too early for me. I've only had one coffee. So if, if there's anything that doesn't quite make sense, then you know then you know why. But yeah, we'll run the intro and we'll have a bit of chat about these uh, these figures that have been released for Leeds. Hi, this is Don Matteo and you are listening to the Auto Know Better podcast. Let's do this. Cheers, Matt. Uh, good morning, everybody. Thanks ever, ever so much for joining us. Um, as I say, we've got a, a special edition of, of uh, Auto Know Better this morning, and we've named it after Kieran's book, The Price of Football, and we've, we've called it a Leeds edition because, um, as we all know, uh, the, the recent finances have been released by, uh, by Leeds United, and they do look for quite comfortable reading from somebody who probably doesn't know that much about football or finances or either. Let's be honest. Um, so, so yeah, we thought we'd drag uh, a specialist on and 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 a, and a gentleman who 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 specialises in, I suppose, writing uh, writing bits and pieces about that, Kieran. So, so first things first, really. I obviously don't know anything really about finance. I know 
very little about football. I'm a Leeds fan. Um, so, in a nutshell, do they look as comfortable as what they probably should do at first reading? Yes, I, I think they're probably better than expected in the sense that, remember, in all of this, to make a profit in a year in in which we, we really were hit by the pandemic uh, to a greater extent than could have been anticipated um is 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 a very good achievement indeed and and the the impact of uh getting to the premier league leeds leeds united made more money from tv last season than they did in the 15 seasons prior to that put together so yeah that that just shows the 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 allure and the impact that being a premier league club can bring but uh, I, I think uh, what leeds didn't do is is go crazy some clubs when they go up that they do think that they've just won the lottery and, and they spend beyond their means and things can go very quickly wrong because they're advised by agents or there's an acclimatisation period. And, and then they find themselves uh, struggling both financially, which then puts pressure on the football side of things. Leeds don't appear to have gone down that route, in my opinion. Of course, other opinions are available. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. So so I suppose... I suppose where a good starting point, really, I suppose, is, is, is to go through um, and try and simplify the tweets that you released, Kieran, uh, the screenshots, um, into layman's terms. A lot of people won't understand those. I, for one, um, wouldn't probably understand what, what each of those tweets in terms of the financial breakdowns, um, what that actually means to us, not only as a fan, but but but... What have we been up to over the last couple of years or so for, for these for these fixtures to sorry for these finances to to be released? Um, well, um, if, if we if we take a look at uh, yeah, we, first of all, first of all, Le- Leeds made a profit. Now there are only two teams in the Premier League that made a profit last season, and that was Leeds and Sheffield United. Now, now some people will say it's because they're both from Yorkshire and and they don't <laughs> you know, and, and and therefore they, they they don't like the idea of overspending. Um, but uh, Sheffield United, Sheffield United. This is this is the crazy thing about football. If Sheffield United had avoided relegation, they would have made a loss because all of the clubs at the bottom of the league, they have huge bonuses for avoiding relegation, and and that was the same with Leeds. I think Leeds paid out you know more than thirty million pounds uh, in 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 wage costs for avoiding relegation. And if people say, well, well is that crazy? It's not. It, it's it's sound business sense. And the reason for that is that if you get another season in the Premier League, then you're getting, Leeds made £130 million from TV money, you get £130 million or, or, or dependent on where you finish in the table, it varies, but you only get £40 million in parachute payments. So you pay out £30 million in wages, you get an extra £90 million in TV money, all of a sudden, these crazy numbers start to look sense. So Leeds made a lot of money. Uh, Football clubs get money from three places. Ticket sales, broadcasting, and sponsorship commercial. Um, As far as ticket sales are concerned, clearly there was nothing taking place because of the year of pandemic. TV money money is linked to, to two things. First of all, how popular how popular are you with the broadcasters now you know and i know for for all of that time that leeds united were not in the premier league they were the biggest draw for sky as far as the the, the efl tv deal was concerned yeah. and i know that caused friction it, it made it it was irritating from a fan's point of view because 
you knew that it was going to be you having to do the the 12.30 p.m. kickoffs on a Saturday at Bournemouth and Reading and all of those places, which, which you know, from a fan's point of view, a nightmare. And you didn't get a lot of money for it. What happens now, if you if you play on live TV more than 10 times, if you're picked more than 10 times, every additional time, you get an extra £1 million. So if it's right. 15, you get an extra 5 million. If it's 20, you get an extra 10 million. And Leeds were popular. They were popular because, A, they're a big club. B, they played football, which the broadcasters loved. So so that they made more money from that. And the second issue is if you finish bottom of the Premier League, you get what's known as a, as a merit payment of 2.2 million. If you finish second bottom, you get twice that. If you finish third bottom, you get three times that. By finishing ninth, they got eleven times the the, the two point one million. So that was that was you know an extra twenty million pounds coming into the club. So where you finish in the Premier League, you might you might go to the last two or three games of the season. And you think, well, you know, we could finish somewhere between fourteenth and ninth. Who who gives a hoot? Well, if you finish ninth, then that's an extra ten million pounds or more than ten million pounds, which is going into next season's playing budget. So every match matters you know whereas if you, if you look at if, if you're in if you're in the championship if you're in league one does it matter between ninth and 14th in in those divisions you know there's 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 more there's more dead rubbers than a malfunctioning condom factory and <laughs> as I, I, i've got no idea where that came from um <laughs> but but in the Premier League, you know, you, you will have the manager because the manager will have the finance director and the board say, this still is important. I don't want anybody to be at the beach four or five games to go because we we know that we're going to stay up. Um, so, so that's where the money comes in. Where does the money go out? Well, football is a talent industry, so it goes out in the form of wages. So as far as Leeds wage bill was concerned... It went up by thirty million pounds. Again, that sounds a lot of money, but remember, an awful lot of that was your your avoidance of relegation payments. Based on my figures, and you know, I just stick numbers. I just stick numbers into a very big calculator. It, the average wage was just shy of fifty five grand a week. That oh, means no, that leads that leads leads top half of the table as far as wages are concerned. But if you want to finish top half of the table. In, in the league, then you've got to go and pay the wages which go along with it. And remember, that's going to include win bonuses. That's going to include bonuses for where the club finished at the end of the season because everything is geared towards, it's, it's very much a, a performance-based club from the information we can see. Now, we, we don't know the inner workings of Leeds United, and I don't pretend to, but what you can, you can sort of pick out you know, a few tidbits from reading the numbers. Um, so, so that they they are, I would say now top half of the table when it comes to wages. Um, but you've got you've got the likes of uh, yeah the two Manchester clubs, and I, I won't I won't mention their names because I know I know it's a sensitive subject. It's early in the morning. Uh, yeah, they're pay, they're paying in the region of one hundred and fifty to one hundred and sixty grand a week, and and that's that's the issue in in the Premier League is that it, it, there's there's haves and have nots and uh, and so on. I guess um, so. When, when you release those tweets and and um, start seeing the the responses to it, I think there's a, there's a, people that aren't used to reading balance sheets and understanding EBITDA and so on are, are in a position of well, this is old information. What, why, yeah. why are you giving us information that's 11, 12, 15 months old? Can you just explain 
just how much it takes for a business to put together the information that you've been sharing and just why it, there is that lag? Yeah, I mean, it is old information, but it's the newest old information. That, that's the way I think you, you've got to view it. Um, the, the club has probably put those accounts together by the end of July. But legally, you don't have to publish until nine months after your year end. So, so Leeds financial year is the 30th of June. Therefore, it's got until the end of March to publish. Now, it's a bit like, I, I, don't, you know, I don't know your personal circumstances, but I have to, I have to submit a, a tax return each year. You know, every, you know, lots of people have to do that. If you're running your own business, if you're a high-rate taxpayer, blah, blah, blah. If you're freelance, whatever it is. So I submit my tax return. I actually do it in, in April or May because you know, I'm, I'm a dweeb. That's, that's how we rock. Um, <laughs> but I don't send it into HMRC until the 31st of January because that, yeah, and, and it's, it's, it's the same. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a teacher by, yeah, that's my, my job's a teacher. Um, when I set assignments to my students, I'll say, well, the, the deadline is the 12th of May. And by the 11th of May, I've got three people out of 130 who've, who've submitted. On, on, on the day of submission, they all pile in. So, so Leeds, Stoke, about half a dozen other clubs all submitted their accounts on effectively the 31st of March because from their point of view, they say some of this information is commercially commercially sensitive. We don't want to know. Yeah, well, rather, we don't want our competitors to know. Well, yeah, because people say, well, how much, how much are Leeds paying in wages? How much have they spent on players? How much have they got from selling players? Uh, you know, what's, what's the score with the stadium? What's how much have they spent since the year end? So there's lots of data there that if you want to pick up a few nuggets, and, I, and my personal view is the information isn't isn't hugely important, but at the same time, it's worth a slightly more than nothing. So therefore, you put it out as late as possible because you don't want your competitors to know. Um, and I think that's especially important when it comes to the January window. Because nobody wants, you know, if, if people can say, well, okay, they, they, they've spent so much on wages, we can work out their losses, we yeah. know how close they are to financial fair play, then they can got, they get a rough idea of what, of what you can do in the January window. So very few clubs put stuff out before January because they want to, they want to keep it quiet. Um, yeah, it, it, it does involve a lot of guesswork, but... A lot of if you've got a bit of information, your guesswork can be slightly more informed. So, so that's why we tend to see all of the information coming out, you know, February, March ish. Spot on, yeah, cheers, okay, cheers for that. Yeah, um, so that's 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 pretty much like the in, you know, in terms of where the finances come from, why they release them, and that sort of thing. I just want to touch upon a couple of things that that sort of jumped out at me, I think, first time when I looked through them, Kieran, when you released them uh, a couple of days ago. Um, the first real, I don't know if it was an, even a red flag or whether it was a green flag, but but the first thing that really pop, popped out was, was was a tweet that you put lender and then in brackets AR, which I'm assuming was an Andre, Andrea Radrazani question mark, wavered loans of £21 million in the year and £8 million of loans converted into shares. What does that mean to the average Joe? Does that, is he making the club look more profitable? Is he trying to, uh, what's he trying to do there? I mean, in your in your sort of honest honest. Res- Right. I, I, I think this is all to do with the relationship with San Francisco 49ers and their investment. Um, Rad Rizani, and, and, and here I'm, I'm, when I say Rad Rizani, it's not guarantee, it's an assumption. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty, I'm reasonably confident that it's right, but I'm just caveating myself 
Um, just somebody sued or anything. Yeah, somebody <laughs> who who probably has the initials AR has lent money to Leeds United <laughs> in the past, and he's lent that money and he's charged interest on those loans. Um, uh, but what he's not done is that the interest has just sort of clocked up in a separate account. Leeds never physically paid him that interest, so. You know, it was it was clocking up in a different account, and and that therefore, yeah, you know, let's say that you know each year it's it's uh, you know three million pounds of interest, whatever it's going to be, and it gets add, it gets added to the pot, and then something happened over the course of the year which could be connected to the 49ers investment, um, where Radrazani has said, right, well, Leeds now owe me around about twenty one million pounds in interest, which I've never actually physically collected, and what I'm now going to do is I'm going to say I don't want it, yeah, forget it. So it's from from the club's point of view, that's great because it means it never has to pay him that 21 million. Um, with regards to um, the the funding issue, that the the debt, again, he's he's lent the club money. So if the thing about there's two ways of investing into a business, into a football club, a you can lend and b the club can issue you shares. And the thing about shares is that they never have to be repaid. So if you want to get your money back from shares. You've got to sell those shares to somebody else. What Rajasani, well, sorry, a, a person who we think has the initials AR has done. Ha, what this person has done is said, right, I've lent the club eight million pounds. Instead of asking for it back, instead, I'm going to convert it into shares. And at some point in the future, I might sell those shares to somebody else. Now, that could be 49ers. Yeah, I, th I think there is a there is a common perception amongst Leeds fans and also amongst the people you talk to in the world of finance is that 49ers are going to, to take over the club. They're going to own more than 50% of the club at some point in the future. It's not a guarantee. It's not an obligation necessarily, but you know, why, why get involved as a junior partner, um, especially as 49ers have got more resources than, than uh, Mr. Rapprasani. So, so that that's why is it, is it good news? Yeah, I think it is good news because once you've said, I don't want the money back, you can't go and change your mind. So I guess, Kieran, is it possible in a way that if you're talking about a shared ownership situation like we currently have at Leeds United, that if the 49ers enterprises were going to put some money in to help pay with transfers, etc., that rather than in effect actually put capital into uh, Leeds United, um, a, a an individual at the other side of that equation could sort of say, Look, I'm going to write off as commensurate. So, rather putting additional capital, would that work in that sense? Yeah, yeah. I mean, what what it might do is it, it increases Radrizani's number of shares. Yeah, that helps. Um, or alternatively, he could sell some of his shares direct to 49ers, and that's a private transaction between the two people. But it, it does look as if, if Leeds um, did generate some cash during the year from, from share issues, though. So I, th I think it's probably a bit of both, that, that when, when the increase in investment by 49ers took place, did the club benefit? Yes, it did. It got more cash. That cash goes into the pot now that pot's going to be involved um uh, so, sorry yeah about my dog 
Uh, he's, he's shaking his head in the background. Oh, no, I um, thought it was Luke. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've just, it's my it's my dog as well. He was yelping to go out for a wee, so I just had to run downstairs. He's, he's of an age now where he uh, he can't hold his bladder for longer than 30 oh, seconds, and if he needs a wee, he needs to get out. So, yeah, yeah. Apologies. This, this is going to win us a BAFTA, isn't it? <laughs> dog wee talk. Um, so, so yeah, as, as far as the shares are concerned, leads have two choices when, when it comes to, to switching the ownership. A, they can issue fresh shares to 49ers. All, the, the, the advantage there is the money comes into to Leeds United Football Club. The alternative is Radrazani can sell some of his shares to, to 49ers, and that benefits him financially. And then you can have a sort of a combination of the two. It's good, got you. So, we're based on, based on this... Um... Behaviour, I suppose, in the finances. How likely do you think, from your sort of expert opinion, do you think that 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 shift is is likely to happen sooner rather than later? Um, I, I suspect that there is some form of agreement between between the two parties um, that there will be triggers. So it could be that if if Leeds United are in the Premier League in at the start of twenty twenty four, then. It could be that the 49ers have an option to, to buy Rad Rizani out at an agreed price. So everything would have been done in advance. Um, they, um, you know, I, I've had Parag on, on, on my podcast. You know, he's clearly extremely capable, uh, knows his way around uh, sports finance and sports marketing. And that's where 49ers see see the issues in terms of Leeds. Leeds sold £20 million worth of merchandise last year. That's a ridiculous amount of money. They've, they've probably sold more merchandise than they'll generate from ticket sales in a season. So, so that's, I think that's an, that's an indication of the size of the fan base because you, know, you and I both know that the fan base, it goes beyond Leeds itself, whereas you know, I'm a Brighton fan. No, 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 nobody becomes a Brighton fan in, in Cyprus or or other parts of, you know, my, my next door neighbour, in fact, is a Leeds United season ticket holder and I live near Brighton and he supported Leeds all his life and he's lived here, he lived down here all his life. So, so that's the nature of Leeds United. It's a club which has a much broader fan base than, than uh, you know, many other clubs. And therefore, I, I think that's where they, the, the 49ers see the potential growth. Uh, you know, that, could there be some further tie-ups uh, in terms of pre-season tours in the US or some sort of you know link up between Leeds and 49ers that that's where the, that's where they're going to see the growth are they going to start selling uh you know NFL style merchandise with a Leeds United badge on you know, they they will be thinking of, of things like that uh in order to grow that that revenue stream and yeah it, for, for a club that has just got to the Premier League those numbers are just ridiculously good uh you know you, you look at clubs such as Manchester United I think they normally sell in the region around about 80 million a year uh, and right. yeah, loathe them or loathe them yet they are a big yeah. club yeah yeah so and, just in terms and, of and, that commercial success sorry look, uh, just um when, when we're talking about the commercial success that that, that Leeds have, have had in in those various different streams that you're talking about the finances flowing in do we expect year-on-year incremental increases on that based on the ability to secure better sponsorship deals and, and then the additional performance-related income that comes from that? Or is there a ceiling outside of those ESL clubs that the other clubs just, just don't get to? What, what, what's, 
I know that you're not a Leeds finance specialist. You look at the price of football. So in terms of looking at other clubs and the way that they've gone, you know, we're a year behind Villa, for example, things like that. Is, is there an expectation that that will incrementally just build season on season? I, I think there there is growth still because Leeds are still an unknown quantity. So so what they've got to do, um, you know, yeah, if, if you take a look at Leeds is total commercial income at 36 million it's already gone into the top half of the the premier league the the only clubs outside of the the esl6 yeah whatever we want to call them the sneaky six after what they did um <laughs> you've got you've got everton have got 47 million but should we say Ever- Ever- everton have the benefit of some money coming from alicia usmanov's companies um so I don't know whether you're aware that they get, I think they're getting around 10 or 11 million pounds a year because one of Alicia Usmanoff's companies sponsored the training ground. Now, people might right. say to themselves, why, why would a uh, Eastern European or why would a, a Russian based mining company pay 10 million pounds a year to uh, get the naming rights of a training facility in Merseyside you know as a sponsor are you getting 10 million pounds worth of benefit from that so that that seemed very very generous and uh another one of Usmanov's companies also sponsored the had, had the naming rights for the for the uh, the women's uh, football shirts which, which was you know and, and I'm all for you know growing growing the women's team and the men's team and again uh, it, it seems it seems a strange thing to do. It seems very you know very unusual sponsorship to have a to have a Russian mobile <coughs> telephone company sponsoring a women's football team on Merseyside. So so Everton did have more, but I think eyebrows have been raised in relation to some of those uh, sponsorship deals. And also Everton have now suspended that relationship with Usmanov. So if you take them out of the equation. The only club that are now ahead of Leeds is Leicester City. And I think Leicester City, again, you look at the nature of the relationship between Leicester City and the owners. Leicester have got a fantastic little huge fan base back in Thailand where the owners come from on the back of winning the Premier League in 2016. Incredible achievement. It doesn't matter who you support. uh, Incredible achievement. Getting Getting, making progress in the Champions League the following year. So I think you're absolutely right, Matt. There, there is a natural ceiling, and the way that you get, get past that natural ceiling is European participation, because that will start to build global interest in the club. And, and you've got to have success, because if you if you take a look, uh, you know, I, I, I talk to people in, in different countries around the world, and you know, I've, I've, all of my teaching life has been in Manchester and Liverpool. So, you know, if I'm teaching overseas, the first question I get asked, are you, you know, are you United or City or Liverpool or Everton uh, and so on? And and there is very much a focus on the international markets on relatively few clubs. I think it's going to be it's going to be a challenge for Leeds to break into that because it is a closed shop. You know, we, we know that everything is geared towards those clubs trying to protect their interests. That's what they were trying to do with Super League. But yeah. um it, it will be difficult, but not impossible. Okay, so I, you, you touched on on one, one club there that Rajuzan has talked about in the past, about potentially emulating their commercial model and the approach to the game. That's Leicester. 
Um, so when when looking through the balance sheets um, across the course of the last uh, two three years, it, it does. I mean, it, I say it becomes obvious. It looks to me. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but it looks to me that player sales just isn't generating that revenue. Um, so the outgoings have been minimal, but there is talk of emulating Leicester's model, which it has been to generate lots of money coming in through player sales. So is there an expectation maybe, or is that a reasonable inference to take from the books that, that when Rads has mentioned that, that we might expect to see uh, two or three key players leave over the course of a, a couple of years in order to generate enough revenue coming in, or a, a Leeds in a strong enough position to not have to resort to that? Right. Do Leeds have to sell? No. But could it be through selling for one player for one big fee and signing two or three players that you strengthen the overall squad, I would say potentially. Now, look, I know nothing about football. Yeah, that, I always say, but I, I'm, I'm quite happy with numbers. I go to football um, and I spend 90, 90 minutes calling Mike Dean a wanker along with everybody else. <laughs> and, and, but but I, 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 I've, I've been lucky that I, I, I teach for organisations such as the League Managers Association. And I go along and, you know, I'm, I'm doing so. I'm, I'm trying to, give them the advice on the finance side of things and then I'll sit down at lunch and I'll just listen to them talk amongst themselves or pretend to join in a conversation and it's at times like that when you realize that what we know about football is zero you know when you hear them talking about the tactical and the technical and, and the psychological and the physical relationships that they have in terms of their day-to-day -day job what we hear from pundits is is just scratching the surface. What we think we know is just scratching the surface. These these people are professionals. So I, I don't know enough about the football side of things, but my observation would be what we are seeing in many clubs in the Premier League is that at the back of their minds, they are looking to sell one player a year and perhaps some peripheral players. What I think people might be surprised about is that the club that has made the most money from player sales over the last five years is Chelsea. And people are going, yeah, hold on, you know, Chelsea's a buying club. But, you know, Diego Costa, uh, Murata, Hazard, Abraham, Tamori, you actually take a look at Chelsea. And the other thing that Chelsea do, which nobody realises, Chelsea have got about a dozen academies dotted around the country. Because they were advertising for one near Brighton recently. I'm going, well, why, why does Chelsea need an academy in Brighton? It's because as a result of the elite player performance plan, which came in a few years ago, you can now effectively harvest young talent all around the country. And you develop that. And you know, Chelsea have brought through some really good young players, as we've known in recent years. And if they don't quite make it to be a first choice, then they can then they can sell them. Yeah, you know, Abraham scored a, a shed load of goals this season in Italy. Tamori's played really well, but they've also like those players cost them nothing, and they've probably raised about seventy million. So it's not a problem selling players. But what you don't want to do, you don't want to go and sell five players in one window. It's it's a case of yeah, five first team. If you if you if at the back of your mind say yeah, we we're probably going to sell one player each summer. That's going to give us you know a minimum of say thirty to forty million. And that gets reinvested. That model is actually quite common. Liverpool were doing that a few years ago. If you think, you know, they sold Suarez, then they sold Sterling, then they sold Coutinho. Yeah, one big sale per season. And the Liverpool business model yeah. is they aim to break even 
that I even by breaking even you know, the, the money that comes in from ticket sales, from broadcasting and, and sponsorship, that that is matched by their, their cost, their wage costs and, and other bits and pieces. They aim to break even and then they have one player sale a year. And that's a that's a model that works. Liverpool. And I know there's no love loss between Leeds fans and Liverpool. Liverpool as a business model is probably one of the best in the Premier League. Interesting. Oh, uh, that, 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 that does interest me. Yeah. Uh, just, um, but sorry, Luke, I, I was just going to move on to something, just a slightly different one. Have you got a question on that one? No, no, you're all right. I was just saying how interesting that, that that actually is because you look at these, you know, these these super clubs and, and you look at and, and and it's hard to, I mean, it's hard to imagine how they're not all profitable businesses, but the reality is that they're, you know, that, that, they're, that they're not. <laughs> um, so, so for you to, to, to sort of point out, particularly Liverpool's um, model, it, it is quite interesting to me. I think so um, just just uh, uh, yeah around player signings and and, and so on and, and investment. So th- there's a bit of fear at the moment. There's been talk about upgrading the stadium because the stadium's holding us back a little bit. We've got lots and lots of supporters that are still on waiting lists for season tickets, and uh, we're not generating the match day income that we could now that we've moved past the the restrictions and so on. Um, and and fears around how that will then impact the ability for the owners to actually invest into the playing squad. What's the typical approach rather than buying a brand new stadium like Arsenal did in terms of upgrading? Is, is there a uh, recently has there been investment in that manner that's allowed an upgrade of a, a, a ground that was already in situ? Um, and how might that be put together financially in terms of that investment type without impacting the actual investment in the squad? Okay, we, we, we've seen that at uh, at Liverpool again. We've seen that at Manchester City. Now, Man- Manchester City have got a, a different funding model to most clubs because they they've got owners who can put that money in, and also any any infrastructure spend is ignored from for financial fair play points of view. So you, you can spend as many millions as you want, and it's not going to impact. Um, if we take a look at the Liverpool model, which I'm not sure this will necessarily go down hugely well with with all fans. Is that yeah, uh, until about what four years ago the capacity of Anfield was forty five thousand. They increased that to fifty four thousand, um, and a lot of those additional seats have gone to hospitality, have gone to corporates, um, and that that whether you like it or not, you need it because. The average amount that a fan's going to pay, you know, what, what, what's the season ticket costing you at Ellen Road? Six, seven hundred? Yeah. 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 So, average. Yeah. So, you know, if, if you get an extra 5,000 seats at, you know, five, five, six hundred pounds and, and you take out, you take off VAT and you take off the costs of, uh, you know, the, 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 your more shoots, it doesn't actually generate a lot of money from regular fans. Um, so, so what Liverpool did was that a significant number of those additional seats have gone to the corporates. And the other thing that Liverpool do is you say, OK, Liverpool, you know, it's 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 they're, they're playing brilliant football. You know, regardless of who you support, they're playing amazing football. They're incredibly attractive. They're selling out every match where they go. Um, what Liverpool do is that they don't actually allocate a huge number of those extra seats to season ticket holders. So Liverpool have got a capacity of 54,000. They've only got 27,000 season ticket holders. Yeah, we've got 23 at Brighton. Yeah, we're, we're, 
we're nothing like Liverpool. West Ham have got 54,000 season ticket holders. So you say, well, well, why on earth are they doing that? Because, you know, you get your season ticket money early. What, what's the logic behind that? Well, yeah, we've just said, you know, our, our season ticket costs us, you know, what, six, seven hundred quid. So we're paying 30, 32 quid. For, you know, you work it out uh, how much it's costing you for a match. And then what Liverpool do is say, no, we're, we're only going to sell a small number of those additional tickets to season ticket holders. So who else is going to buy them? Tourists. And, you know, you know I, I'm, I'm an old punk. You know, tourists mean money, as, as, as sung by uh, the Sex Pistols in God Save the Queen. Yeah, tour, tourists are great for football club finances because, first of all, you charge them 50 quid a ticket instead of the 30 quid that you're paying uh, because you, you sell them individual match day tickets. What's the tourist fan going to do when they get to Anfield? Spend a fortune on, on, on merch, aren't they? Yeah, get shop. Yeah, they're they're, yeah. they're they're gonna shop. So you know, I'm you know, I I share an office with a, a Liverpool season ticket holder, and he says, "Well, you know, I, I don't go to the merchandise shop. You know, it's I, 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 I'm the same as you guys. We we get, we we go to the same boozer. We get there at midday. We spend two and a half hours there. We 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 go to the match. You might buy one pint at the match. You might buy a pie, but compared to what the what the what the day fans are spending, our spend is actually very low. You know, I, I don't bother to buy a program. I'm not going to buy a souvenir, this, that, or that. I'm, I'm not going to buy a, a Lewis Dunk duvet cover or, you know, <laughs> or, you know or all, all of the crap that football clubs sell is, yeah. is you know, you know I'm, I'm a regular. I've been, I've been doing, you know, I've been doing the 50-year slog the same as you guys. And um, that's, that's why the, the clubs have this strategy in place. Now, you know, Leeds United fan base far better than that. Could, could Leeds, if they've stuck, stuck another 5,000 seats on the stadium um, and they would fund that by long-term loans and, and those loans would be interest only. That's what Spurs have done. People say, you know, Spurs, Spurs have borrowed you know, 800 million. How can they possibly repay it? They're not repaying it till 2051. <laughs> They're just paying interest on it. And I go, well, all right, okay, well, in 2051, I'm dead. So I'm not worried. You know, I, yeah, it's not my problem anymore. And, and you see that from Daniel Levy's point of view, he's he's kicked down. And what will happen is when it gets close to 2051, Spurs will phone up the bank and say, "Do you want your money back?" And the bank will say, "Well, you've already you know, you've, you've been a good customer to us. We'll knock back that loan for another 20 years." Because because mm. you know what do banks do? They just lend money. They don't care who they lend. So they might as well carry on lending it to Spurs. If Spurs are a good credit risk. Then, then it's easy money from the bank's point of view. So, if 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 the if the if the stadium expansion is is funded by borrowings on on a long term basis, and you get a decent interest rate, Spurs are paying between two and a half and three and a half percent. That's that's we've got inflation at eight, so it's, it's actually mm -hmm. you're paying negative interest in in reality. Um, th then that's how it's funded. Just okay, just yeah. to sort of just. Just to echo that, if I can, Kieran, having sort of spoken to Angus Kinnear in relation to the stadium redevelopment and this whole discussion around maybe an extra 20,000 tickets or 20,000 seats, the model that Leeds will be following is exactly what Kieran has said, which is that ultimately, whilst there may be a slither of those are put into the mix for potential new season ticket holders or new low price tickets the model is to generate as much commercial revenue as possible because as angus would say this is about maintaining then the price structure for the remainder of the fans by milking 
as you know, Kieran quite rightly says, that tourist pound, milking basically the corporate um, and commercial aspects of hospitality that mean that the club can start to challenge on matchday revenue the Spurs of this world, the West Ham's of this world now, you know, with these 55,000-seater stadia that are able to generate huge commercial income on a, on a, on a, on a daily, on a matchday basis, plus also have facilities that they can then, um, and to use one of the phrases that you use regularly, sweat their assets, uh, Kieran, that every single day, where there isn't a match on, they can be doing corporate hospitality dues. They can be doing weddings, if you like, even, that mean that they can make more from it. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, if if, if lead, Leeds in the present Ellen Road, uh, you know, this season, their, their match day income... I will imagine will be 20 million, perhaps a wee bit more. Spurs are going to make 120. Now, you know, Spurs capacity stadium, it hits what, 62,000, Ellen Road, 37, 38? Round about, yeah, yeah 37. Yeah, yeah. So you go, well, hold on, how come they're making six times as much money when the ground's less than twice the size? It's because, you know, as, as Graham says, they, they target um, a, a fan base. And again, when you look at if you look at Manchester United, and I'm 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 I hate Manchester United. My, my wife's ex-husband works <laughs> at Manchester United. You know, I've got a good, I've got to date them. Um, That's good as you, any of that, Kieran. I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but if you take a look at Manchester United, for, for all of the bad things the Glazers have done, season ticket prices haven't gone up for ten years. You know, they, they get more money from the match day tickets. They get more, they charge more for the membership schemes. They're charging more for the corporates. But in order to to keep the level of anger within reasonable limits, they, they've not actually. And they, they, they could make more. Yeah, they, they could charge more money to season ticket holders. Because we, if, if, if the club puts up a season ticket price, what are we going to do? We're going to moan. We're going to moan and moan and moan. And we're going to say we're not going to pay it. And then we pay it. That's That's how it works. But it, but it does create, yeah, you know, it does create bad <laughs> relationship between between yeah. club and fan. So, yeah. So would you say that's pretty much the nature of the beast as a Leeds fan? Now we've either got to accept that things are going to become more corporate, bigger, if we want to, you know, not 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 just survive, but succeed in the Premiership yeah. and 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 sort of you know, outgrow our ceiling, or we can stay as. As Leeds, who are known to be a massive fan base and and be proud and everything, and and potentially be a championship team for the rest of our, our lives. Yeah, I, I think you've you've got to be realistic. I mean, if, if we if we take a look at uh, take a look at Scotland, you know, we, there's two massive clubs in Scotland in, in Rangers and mm. Celtic, and uh, they they were supposed to be playing a a friendly. With, there's, there's, uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah that's right. Friendly, yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah. in in Australia in November yeah. uh, during the during the World Cup break, um, and they both clubs were going to make more money from that one match than they generate from the whole season in broadcast money in Scotland. Wow. And the Rangers and the Celtic fans kicked off, and the match has now been cancelled. So again, that that's the choice you got to make. You you can you can stay pure and say. You know, we we don't want we don't want to take the corporate shilling. You know, we're old school fans, we're legacy fans, and if you do that, yeah, rightly or wrongly, I, I'm old school myself. If you do that, you automatically set a ceiling for the club in terms of its its ability to compete because football is a talent game, 
And if you want to compete with other clubs for European places, you've got to pay European level wages. So, Kieran, just thinking a little bit about that, about setting a ceiling and how that sort of can sort of comes against, if you like, the notion of being a legacy fan. Let's take, for example, things like socios. So obviously our club tied up with socios last year. Um, the fans basically, you know, pushed against it. The club took a, an amount probably up front, a certain slice of whatever socios make from uh, fan interaction and fan based connections. But when we're presenting such healthy figures in terms of the business, is is there really a need to sort of move into that morally corrupt area of, you know, kind of selling the fan base, if you like, to a cryptocurrency? Well, um, we're now in the second season. The re- I, I, I think the results for Leeds United might not be as good for 21-22 because... You've signed a couple of players. You've got players who've got negotiated new contracts um, and so on. Um, so your costs are going up. You're probably not going to finish ninth. So therefore, your TV money is going to go down. Yes, we will have a season's worth of um, a season's worth of uh, match day income as well. But you put that all together, um, and, and I think Leeds will will do well if, if they replicate these results for 21, 22. Um, so it, it does make it more difficult. The, the clubs have been, for the last 20 years, have been saying to themselves, we've got hundreds of thousands of fans around the world. We've got the 30, yeah, we've got the 37,000 hardcore that turn up to Ellen Road. Doesn't, and it doesn't matter. You know, if, if you're playing Reading on a Tuesday night, you're still there because you support Leeds United. You don't support Leeds United in the Premier League. You support Leeds United. That's it. Yeah, that's the nature of, of, of us legacy fans. Um but what what about these what about these other fans in terms of um how how can the club get money from them manchester united claim to have 1.1 billion fans on the planet and the most money they've ever made is 627 million so manchester united make 55 pence per fan per year that's crap you know, if that that is you put it like that that is crap so what they think they can do is they, they've they've seen the pitches, they've seen the the presentations from the likes of Socios, from the likes of the the people that are going to bring the metaverse to to uh, the Etihad as, as they're doing it with Sony, and they think that they can get more money from those fans, and they don't they don't really care about it from a moral or ethical point of view. I, I have absolutely no issue with fan tokens. I have no issue with cryptocurrency if when I'm buying a fan token, I'm buying it because for some strange reason, I want to spend £75 on a cartoon picture of Neil Mopé. <laughs> and it's not even a real picture. It's a, it's, uh, it's a picture I can look at on my phone. Now, when I'm thinking of 75 if I'm going to go and spend £75 on a picture of somebody, the prop, prop, yeah, you go... What, what, what exactly have I done? And and they say so. Well, oh yeah, but it's uh, it, it's 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 guaranteed by the blockchain. So I've got okay. So somebody said, yeah, this is an authentic cartoon picture of Neil Mope, <laughs> and you expecting me to pay seventy five pounds for it? And and that's um, and, oh yeah, 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 yeah. And and you and it's it's a way of engaging with the club. Now I, I engage with the club by by buying my season ticket. By yeah, yeah. I'll, I I, sh- I shouldn't at my age, but I still by buying a shirt each year. Um, by going along. 
and vocally supporting the club. Um, if you if you want to go and buy these these products, then fine. You know, it is it is a digital Panini card. Um, I've got old Panini collections, um, and, and, and I look at them and go, oh, "That's an investment because I've got six. I've got six spare Belgian left backs from the nineteen from the nineteen ninety six one. No, then they're, they're not investments." And, and, and I think that the issue I have with the likes of Socios and, and all of these people that say, well, such and such a card, such and such a, a token um, went for £30,000 in an auction. Um, and and, and that, that, that will be the case. I'm not denying that. But what it didn't say was that there were 30,000 other uh, cards which, which went for nothing. You know, so you know, occasionally think these things are worth some money. It's the equivalent of buying a lottery ticket. And I, 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 I pay my £2.50 a week for my Euro millions. I don't consider that to be an investment. You know, it's, I, know, I know deep down it's a dumb punt, but I don't mind doing it. Some money goes to the NHS, some money, you get money goes to good causes. And hey, you know, for, for 30 seconds a week, you get a bit excited. Yeah. Married men, we're used to that. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, so, so that's, that's, that's the position. And, and it's the... It's the way the likes of Socios and uh, all of these companies are. They're not saying explicitly that they're in that they're investments. What they rely on is people on social media who call themselves Bitcoin traders or NFT traders. And, and you and I, we all know that these blokes are living at home with their mum and eating pot noodles at night. But, they, but, but by calling themselves traders, they think they've got a bit of credibility. Um, and so, so that, that's my concern. We're, we're, we're paying a lot of money for these tokens. The, the benefits, the engagement, when you actually dig down, and, and I was at a presentation um, from one of these organizations recently, and they used all they use all of the buzzwords. You know, they talk about drops and engagement, and uh, yeah, all all of the uh, all of the the intangible benefits of the okay, okay. an intangible benefit's not a benefit. You know, being able to go and choose <laughs> the color of the corner flags by by paying seventy five pounds for these tokens, that or or the, or the the music which is played at half time, or to vote for man of the match. Jesus Christ, that's not football. That's that's just mugging people off. Yeah. So so that that's yeah. my that's my reservation, Graham. It's if, if it's sold as it's meant to be sold, I, I've got I, I looked in my drawer. Yeah, 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 you got that drawer next to your bed. I found I had 28, 28 euros in my drawer. That doesn't mean that I'm a euro investor or trader. And <laughs> you know, so why why should because you've got so much money in Bitcoin? Um, yeah, why why should that yeah, my dog can open doors. Um, <laughs> he's <not> in the <laughs> background. <laughs> he, he can't close doors, he can open doors. <laughs> Brilliant. I thought I was still half asleep. <laughs> I think so, um, so just, that's, that's, um, my, that's my reservation. No, I I, I, I like it. I, and I I I don't buy I've got I've got some uh cryptocurrency but i'm certainly not an investor and i'm certainly not not peddling it uh, anywhere else so no I, I i agree with that i think there's just there's just one other element and to be fair graham probably knows a, a fair bit more about this than than, than i do it, it's there's a specter hanging over our club um called john kevin augustan and there's uh, a position where 
we are still in a, a, a. I think there is there has been some outcomes going through the courts and the um, uh, the wranglings between the clubs, um, and we st we're, we're now in a position where, as a fan, I still don't know whether all of that balance will need to be paid. I know that he's he's moved on. I think he's at Nantes now, um, yeah. uh, and and his career has not gone particularly well. I feel really sorry for for the, uh, the player, but. In terms of having to pay that money, are we in a position that of clarity yet as to what the outcomes are, and do we even know? No, no. I mean, it, it all it all depends. And again, I, I've I've spoken to some football lawyers here and say, "Well, what's your opinion?" And they say it depends, which is as much as you'll ever get <laughs> from a lawyer. Yeah, you know, unless you're paying them four hundred quid an hour. Um, it, it all depends upon the the final decision, which is going to be made by um you know by castle whoever the, whoever resolves this as to whether Leeds United were a Premier League club uh yeah in terms of the obligation to buy at the end of the season now you know, under normal circumstances uh, and that's that's important terminology though isn't it yeah <laughs> that's important terminology because I think, as I recall, the contract stated the date of the end of the season and the argument is actually that's only a nominal thing. It's really the spirit of the end of the season rather mm -hmm. than the specific date specified in the contract. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So, but with any contract, with any contract, you work towards a date. A, co a contract has a date for a specific reason. Uh, now, it just—I mean, it's unfortunate, I suppose, for, for the selling club that, that that date was then extended and the end of the season was changed. So, so that's where the argument is, isn't it? I think. But Absolutely. look, we're. I'm sure we have um, allowed for uh, somewhere within the finances for that to be to be covered. I'm pretty sure. I don't think. I don't think the club's poorly run in terms financially. I think. I think. I think Kieran's probably highlighted that. Um, and I think if if there was to be uh, that outgoing, I mean, I don't know, Graham. If you you don't know any more about this, I know we've. I know we've had. A, a, we, there was a release the other day, basically stating that. We've come to a conclusion, but you might not find out for the, for a half a year or six months' time. Um, we're not going to release that. So, so the the situation is obviously we're waiting on the final outcome from the court of arbitration for sport or CAS. The the it is all a question of how they view this particular court clause in the contract, which said that you know if we were a Premier League club by a certain date, which was deemed the end of the season traditionally, but then it got extended. We were in the same boat, really, a little bit about when we were able to purchase and at what price Jack Harrison from Man City, except Man City basically said, well, you passed the date, tough. So we then ended up having to pay a slightly increased deal for Jack Harrison. So the club will no doubt be arguing the fact that, well, we were held to account on that basis on that contract Therefore, the same should apply. This is where you get into, as, as Kieran would say, the Silver Tongue Lawyer Brigade, arguing their particular sort of, you know, position on this. And as a club, I've no doubt that they have made contingency for if they have to pay it. But clearly, they will be battling as hard as they can to avoid paying 18 million quid. Um, and in effect, the first thing is that ultimately they are liable for a payment that now should have already been paid. That will be the first instance. And then it will be like all payments for transfers over a series of years, the length of what would have been Jean-Kevin Augustin's contract that will have to meet the rest of the obligation. But in effect, it will be kind of pouring money down the drain because it's not a player we own the registration for anymore. It's, it's not a player we've got any value for. 
You know, yeah. the only people I think that basically benefited from Jean Kevin Augustin being in Leeds were, were Domino's because of the number of pizzas he was ordering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um the agents yeah, will have got their pound of flesh. Yeah, no pro- no doubt, yeah. no doubt. Um so um just just one final question from me before, and then and, and I know another the guys probably have got I've got one or two, but but you mentioned in the um in the screenshots, Kieran, that we're l- likely liable for up to around and around about 48 million should we avoid a relegation in bonus payments this season. Yeah. Where does that where does that is that seems a lot to me. Now I know you probably compare that to a hundred odd pound in TV, a hundred odd million pound in TV revenue, and it doesn't look that much. And it's it's quite important that that obviously the club does does survive um, in the Premier League for, for a lot of financial reasons. But is that is that is that relatively high? I mean, what 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 sort of what? How does that compare to? I don't know. Maybe maybe a club uh, flirting with Europe, getting into the Champions League, for instance, and and and, and their um, their bonuses. Um, I would say it's broadly similar because if you, if you take a look at um, those years that Manchester United haven't qualified for the Champions League, and of course we shed a tear, yeah, for, for, <laughs> for, for, for the poor club that when it yeah doesn't only gets into the Europa League. Oh, yeah, well, how, how do they possibly cope? That, like, the suffering that they go through is beyond me. Um, <laughs> it, it's the, the Manchester United wage bill dropped by around about fifty million. So yeah, you know, I think it's 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 broadly similar um, that. Uh, Wage, 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 co- or employment contracts are very heavily incentivized in the Premier League. Um, I, I also sometimes teach some some agents and uh, uh, football agents. Uh, I, I, know, I know they're not popular with, with many people. They're the biggest gossips I've ever met in my life. So that so they'll they'll, <laughs> show, they'll they'll have screenshots of contracts with players and they'll be showing me how much they're getting per week. And then they go through the bonuses and you go. Yeah, this player can earn more in bonuses this year that I'm going to earn in my lifetime, uh, and it, and it's 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 incredible stuff. So so uh, players' contracts are heavily incentivized um, because the clubs take the view is that if the if the club achieves X, which could be avoiding relegation, winning a cup, qualifying for the Champions League, the club knows how much extra money it can get, and therefore it says, well, we're going to get an extra hundred million. Tell you what, we want you to share some of that. You'll get you'll get forty or, or whatever it's going to be, and, and 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 everybody wins. Yeah, the players have got that. I mean, not not that I think it does. I mean, I I'm not a professional footballer. To me, you know, as somebody that's played park football, as soon as you get as soon as you start a match, you, you always give your best, um, and you would expect players to do exactly the same. But but this is a way of financially rewarding them as well. Yeah, just just really quickly then on on the, on that, Kieran. If we don't stay up, how how crippling could that be for us as, as a club financially well it, it, auto, it automatically means that those payments don't get made i suspect there will also be clauses in many of the contracts which say that should there be a relegation to the championship there will be a reduction so you your you sign a four year contract you get you know you get a, a base of let's say 45000 a week in the Premier League, you get bonuses mm-hmm. for this, that, and the other. You'll get, a, you know, you'll get a, a two hundred and fifty thousand pound or you know one million pound bonus if we avoid avoid uh, relegation. And then, if the club does get relegated, that forty five thousand pounds a week drops to you know twenty five or whatever it's going to be. Yeah, yeah. So, so because what you're saying is, I suppose, because we've been well run over the previous few years, and certainly the the, the year of these fine for these finances, we wouldn't be too bad 
if that, I, I mean, we're not going to have a similar case to when we were relegated all those years ago. Do you know? You know, potentially. I mean, I suppose what where I'm where what what I'm angling as angling at is Everton will be absolutely bollocked, won't they, if they were to be relegated in I, comparison? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sp- spooky talking about getting relegated last time. I got a phone call yesterday from Peter Ridsdale. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I, I really feel for you. I'm sorry you had to go through sorry, that. But yeah, but back to Everton. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think Everton took the view under Rad, under uh, Farhad Mashiri that they they were aiming to to challenge for European places, and I I don't think that there are are significant reductions in pay uh, should should the club be relegated. So, and on top of that, um, they are right at the very limit of uh, financial fair play in the Premier League and the financial fair play limits in, in the championship drop. Uh, you know, Ever- Everton are claiming £170 million worth of costs related to COVID. And you're going, well, why why are they claiming 170 And I think in, in Leeds, they it was probably about nine or 10. Uh, Villa, I think 60 over two years. Sheffield United were 10. Uh, so I've seen all these figures. And then you've got yeah, Everton, and, and Everton are claiming that uh, they, they've been really hit in the transfer market, being unable to say, sell players due to COVID. And I'm going, well, I, I, I think the reason why, you know, nobody's come in to bid 40 to 50 million for for, for Chet Tosin and Sigurdsson has got nothing to do with COVID, in my view. So, you know, I think it's a... Uh, yeah, so it, not it's with a, Sigurdsson. <laughs> no. So... so <laughs> Yeah, it, it's <laughs> it, it, it's uh, yeah. There's there's eyebrows raised. So so they they they've they they've got financial fair play challenges. Those challenges will be amplified in the in the championship. Um, so yeah, it doesn't look uh, doesn't look great for them. Um, the one thing that they can do is is they can sell players. Yeah, that they've got they do have some good players, um, and, and you'd expect that they would they would they would have to sell. Whereas I think Leeds would be in a stronger position should 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 the worst happen. But you ain't going to go down. Yeah, and that was actually going to be one of my final questions. Do Leeds stay up this season? Yeah. Um, I, I think I think we probably do. Um, anything else, uh, Matt, that you'd like to touch upon with with Kieran while we've got yeah, him? Just, um, just just one quick one. So I, I don't need. Um, I know you you look at a, a lot of clubs and, and probably focus more on English football than anything else. I don't know how much you know about Barca's finances, but there's been a lot of talk recently about them signing Rafinha from us. I know that was it a, a, a half a billion um, loan that they got that actually allowed them to operate as a club for an extended period, and they still needed to drastically reduce their wage bill to be able to get to, to line up with the, the Spanish football authorities. But um, you know, there's, there's talk of some, some mad figures and, and really some figures that I'd only expect him to be signed for if if the worst was to happen and we were to be relegated. But from a from a base of the finances that they've had in the past. I guess the question is, how is it that they're still able to operate and buy players for such high sums um, and still get away with it, I suppose, is the point. Um, Under the Spanish rules, what they do is they say, how much money do you have to pay next year? Now, that's going to be in wages, transfer fees and loan repayments. Now, what, what Barcelona have done 
is that they've rescheduled the loans. So they're not making any loans. So they're, they're a bit like Spurs, they've, they've, they've kicked the loan repayments down the road. They're just going to pay interest. They've got an awful lot of wages off the wage bill. Yeah, we, we, we've seen all of those players that have gone. There's been some other players who are on incredible amounts of money who are, who've agreed to take pay cuts. So, so that they, they have, they have cut back a lot. Um, they will have uh, a year of a full stadium. Yeah, and, and Barcelona make an absolute fortune from the new camp because that they do really sweat that asset, both on match days and non-match days. So their finances are are better. Yeah, that they managed to sign Torres from Manchester City for fifty-five million in January. Um, so I, I think they 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 have freed up some some wiggle room, um, and this will allow them to to make some deals in the summer. And they'll be trying to get rid of some more players anyway. Okay. No, thank you. Perfect. That makes sense. Perfect. That's all the questions I had, Luke. Yeah, no problem. I think Graham might have some, but I, I don't know if we've lost him again. He's, uh, he's, I think he's frozen, he's, isn't he? Yeah, he needs yeah. to get the hamster back on the wheel, doesn't he? Over in Ponte Carlo. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, if there is anything, I'm sure. I'm, I'm, I'm sure. back again. Graham, are you back with us? Oh, are you back? back? You're back. back? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if you can hear me. Um, but thank you. Yeah, the hamster, the hamsters, sort of, you know, I've given it a prod and it's working a little bit faster. So maybe we can not much faster. Uh, no, <laughs> you're not getting me. We, we, yeah, we so about in, in, you. in parts. Um, what, what about suggesting? Go on, give it a last go. So, go. yeah, it, I don't it, know it, if you can hear me. Uh, I, I get. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, kind of nice, nice eight, sort of late 80s reference there, Kieran, um, for Max Hedrin. But I, I don't know. I guess looking at the figures, I'd be asking Kieran, does it feel to you that we're moving towards a full sort of sale? That the one of the things of posting a profit is a way of demonstrating the financial health of the business so that you can potentially ask for a greater value for, for remaining shares? Um, I, I, I don't think so, because um, the 49ers will be looking at projections rather than historic data. They'll be looking at the management accounts, which are produced internally and, and using those. Um, I, I think these these accounts do demonstrate the potential of, of Leeds United and you know, Leeds United in a 55 to 60,000 capacity Elland Road um, is, is going to be even more attractive to to. Uh, uh, potential owners, so I think it's it's going forwards that the the the, the real interest is going to be. Okay, thank you. Perfect. Yeah. Um. Look. Uh. I know. I know you've got to get on the road very shortly, Kieran. But look, I can just thank you on behalf of everybody at All to Know Better. Uh. For for joining us this morning. Um. Really, really appreciate it going through that and give you know breaking it down for for some of us who. They were pretty clueless when it comes to numbers and figures, and it just looks like a bit of a matrix, if I'm honest with you, to me. Um, uh, one last very quick question, are, and this probably will just answer everybody's question. Are Leeds, in your opinion, uh, and financially, a well-run club? Yes, yeah, yeah. unequivocally, they, they, they've they spent a lot of money. You know, they, they spent you know, almost £100 million on players, but uh, the, the, the additional income was, uh, was able to cover that. Um, I, th I think what they're not doing is is going over crazy, um, and yeah, settle into the Premier League and grow incrementally. I know we're, all, we're always in a hurry as football fans, but it's it's a it's it, the 
the long road is 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 much smoother if it's if it's done step by step. Perfect. Yeah, I think I think I think I mean I I completely agree. I do try try getting that point across. Not not too well sometimes on Twitter. I do tend sort of uh, do tend to lose my temper quite quickly. But yeah, thank no. you ever so much for that. <laughs> thank you ever so much for that, Kieran. Really really appreciate. It. It'd be great to get you on maybe. Um, maybe in twelve months' time, when when, when this when the, these have been released and things, but do stay in stay in contact with us, uh, Graham. As ever, thanks ever so much for your time again this morning. Um, I'm sure we'll we'll bump into each other again soon. Uh, Gilly, always a pleasure, never a chore. Uh, and I'm going to head off down to uh, down to Watford in a short while. So again, thanks everybody. Thanks to everybody who's listened in. Uh, if you have got any further questions, um, if Kieran's got time, maybe fire him to him on Twitter, and I'm sure he'll if he gets a minute or two, he'll uh, he'll he'll respond to those when he gets a moment. Thanks, everybody. Cheers. Thanks for the invite, guys. Thanks, all. Cheers. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Thank you for listening to another Auto Know Better podcast, the Independent Leeds United podcast. You can engage with us via our socials on YouTube and Twitter at the address at AutoKnowBetter with your thoughts on the show or subjects you'd like us to discuss. You can even join us live and have your say while we're recording on our YouTube channel for the main weekly show and the Barati and Coke after-match podcasts. With three years' worth of content you can listen back to, from interviews with former Leeds players and managers to Hollywood stars. Maybe choose carefully which match reviews to check out, though. Remember to subscribe on whichever app you choose to follow us on.